<laughs> sit down, Chad. Sit down, Chad. Back to the band, right? That's what you're thinking. We are starting a brand new moment, uh, series today called Wow Moments. And if you're like me, you hear songs like that and you remember where you were the first time you heard it. One thing does lead to another. It was that first concert, that first girlfriend. It was back during a time when you said, I don't need to be forgiven. But somewhere along the way, you've, you've rethought that issue. It's those times along the way where, for me, it was my five-year anniversary. We saw the Blue Man Group do that song, Teenage Wasteland. And I'll never forget my first experience with the Blue Man. It was a wow moment. As we look through our life, Often there are certain moments that aren't just normal minutes or months. They become wow moments, defining moments, critical moments, turning points. In fact, over here is just a whole series of things that represent wow moments in my life. My motorcycle, I bought my first motorcycle when I was 16, and I sold it when I was 20, and it now sits on my wife's finger because that's what I used to afford the wedding ring. I met her we in Chicago. I got down on one knee to propose. She said yes. I had a bunch of my buddies had ta- taken Christmas lights and spelled out M-A-R-R-Y-M-E in the windows. And they plugged them in just as I took a photograph of my wife. And she turned around and said yes. And then after I put on the ring that was my $900 motorcycle... I then said, honey, I can't afford it, but I want you to know I want to get you a three-carat ring. And she still has a three-carat ring that she put on that night. And there it is. That was one of my wow moments. Yeah, I grew up watching uh, different, different Strokes and uh, Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons. And I always thought it would be cool to have my own arcade. So a few years ago, I wrote a couple books that, uh, in my gift to myself, because I never buy stuff for myself. So I got an old 80s arcade with Frogger and just reminds me, I feel like I'm 10 years old when I sit here on this piece. Motorcycle reminds me of connections with my my friends, connections with my son. We went to Sturgis together, my daughter. Different pictures of water skiing over the years. Here's a picture when I was 14, a wow moment when I first learned to ski. I went to a garage sale, bought my first ski for uh, for a dollar at a garage sale, and I went up to a to a. This is just a photo that was put on a fake magazine. I was really on the magazine. Um, <laughs> But I remember that weekend learning how to ski, and my goal was by the end of the week, I wanted to ski on the my $1 solemn ski that I bought. All these moments had meaning and had significance, but certain ones were spiritual turning points, relational turning points, moments where God got a hold of me in some way. They were wow moments. I was reading a book by a guy called Tough Calls from the Corner Office. He was describing a turning point for his company. His name is uh, Harlan Steinberg. He, he owned a pharmaceutical company, and they wanted to go to the next level, but they were trying to find the funding. Another pharmaceutical company, a retail um, pharmaceutical called Pet, bought them out, and they thought this was the answer to their company's dreams. But about a year into the merger, he stayed on managing seven out of the 12 divisions, and he realized instead of moving forward with their dreams and their hopes, The new company had a tendency to manage problems rather than solve them. And the whole DNA of what they hoped was changing. He said one of the critical defining wow moments for him was he decided to approach his partners and buy his company back from the folks that had bought his company from him. He said it was a high-risk, high-reward moment. But he felt like the dreams and hopes he had for the company were hanging in the balance and the reward was worth the risk. And sure enough, they bought the company back from the company they'd sold to. 
And they were able to then take the lessons they learned about what they didn't want to be as a company and move forward. It became a wow moment for him. The Bible describes two different words for time. One is chronology, the word chronos. So we get the idea of minutes in a day, um, minutes in, a, in, a, in an hour, hours in a day, chronos. It has another word for time called kairos, which means opportunity. And the challenge of creating wow moments is not waiting for them to happen to you, but for you and I to transform chronos into kairos. To take the everyday minutes and months that we have and say, how do I turn these into wow moments? How do I transform them into opportunity? I want to share three wow moments in my life in hopes that you maybe will look back in your life and begin to see how life's been teaching you lessons, how God might be trying to get your attention. Often it's easier to see what God's doing in the rearview mirror than it is to see what he's doing looking forward. One of my first wow moments that's carried with me many years since is the idea of turning your ows into wows. We all have ows. Many of mine came in high school. I loved high school, but this is my actual high school letterman jacket. still have it. I think it still fits. My wife says it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe she's right. I, uh, several things come to mind when I think about this letterman jacket. First, when I was a freshman, I went through a severe depression. haven't been through one since, but I mean like I didn't know if I'd make it through the day kind of depression. The kind of fear that comes into your life that you say... Even the good moments that you have when the depression's gone, you're so scared it's going to come back, it ruins everything. And that freshman year, I sought after God in the way I never had before. I was showing up at not just church, but Sunday night church, whatever that boring Wednesday night Bible study was, I was there. Because I needed to hear from God just to make it a few more days. And it became a critical wow moment for me. My hour of depression became a, a catalyst to connect with God. I also was on the speech team back then. In fact, I was the captain of the speech team, as you'll see. I'm the only one who put my speech letter on my letterman jacket, I might add. I figured I had the soccer and the track one next to it so I could get some respect. But little would I see that God would take my passion for comedy and for performing and for authenticity. And this many years later, the faithfulness of God would be that I'm doing this as my career. What's even more amazing, I think, to me is that it was during this time that you know, I'd be made fun of for wearing my speech piece or being made fun of often for, for trying to follow God and be serious about a faith and trying to, to incorporate that into my life. But this jacket also reminds me of one of my first big owls because I remember setting my goals, just about anything I set my goals on I was accomplishing back then until I wanted to get into this particular college. I got picked in the top 20 leaders, but my parents couldn't afford the college unless I made the top 13 was 40% or the top three was 80%. I turned in a resume for this scholarship that must have been this thick of everything I'd done. I went up there, got interviewed, and I knew for sure I'd ace this thing. At the end of the weekend, they're announcing the winners, and they start with number 13, winner of the 40% scholarship, number 13. I wasn't worried about that. I wasn't 13. wasn't 12. Ah, tw- wasn't 5. wasn't 3. They got to 3. I thought, okay, maybe not me. 2, not me. And I'm thinking, wow, I won it all. I won it all. Go to number 1, and it was not me. It was a long drive home from Upland, Indiana, back to Peoria, Illinois. I just could not believe that God had not fulfilled the dream and hope that I'd worked for. It was an owl moment. Instead of allowing that to be bitterness, to be angry at God or derail my faith, I said, well, maybe, God, you have something open for me. And I ended up going to Moody Bible Institute. 
I never would have thought about going way too conservative. It's called a Bible Institute. Was that really even a college, an institute? It's there I met my wife. It's there I learned video production. It's there I had my already love for the Bible and Jesus grow deeper. All because of an owl moment. It reminds me of a verse that really spoke to me during this time. It stayed with me since. It's in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, lean not on your own understanding of what's going on and whether God should do this or shouldn't. But instead, in all your ways, the owl moments and the good moments, acknowledge him. And if you do that, he will direct your path. That's exactly what he did. In fact, what's amazing is that my junior year, I was 17, I decided to enter a lip sync battle. I've been seeing it for years. It was a big deal in my little town of Morton, home of Caterpillar. I decided to enter it, and I performed a, a lip sync, and I did so well that I won grand prize. And the grand prize was an artist would do a portrait of you, and I still have that portrait. It was sitting in the basement. And what's really happened here is Beth kicked me out of the house, and I thought I could go to the doghouse or I could come here, so I came here. Uh, not really. Here is a, I pulled this out of the basement. This is the, the photograph that was drawn at the end of that lip sync that I had made for me. What was amazing is I started getting invited all over the state, all over the city, to come speak and do comedy. I'm a magician, a juggler. So I had these groups that were not religious inviting me to come talk. And then I had a group that was religious inviting me to do churches and, and groups. So I started developing two different types of speaking, a type of speaking to the convinced and to the unconvinced. Little would I know that 21 years later, that's what I'd be doing with my career, all because of a lip sync battle that I won way back when I was 17. Went to Moody. I met my wife our first semester. We started dating, and I decided to go back and see if I could keep my championship and win the lip sync contest. So two years later, I came back, and I won it again with a different lip sync. And this time, she was doing color portraits. My wife and I had been dating, so I took our first date. This is a picture of my wife and I, my first date. And I asked her to paint that into a portrait that now hangs over our bedroom. A reminder of the lip sync battle, a reminder of God's faithfulness, but also a reminder of my first love, how we began, the ups and downs and challenges of marriage, but how God used the owls. In fact, our first year of marriage, Beth was sick almost the entire time. I remember walking up to the top of the apartment building and yelling at God why he would let my wife be sick, why he hadn't healed her, why he wasn't doing what he was supposed to. And I remember up there on the top of the apartment building for months wrestling with God, not giving up my faith, but really wrestling with it, personalizing it, that I turned my owls into wows. It was those skills I developed in the darkness of those times with God that deepened my faith. It's where this verse in Joel became important to me. It says, I will restore to you for the years the locusts have eaten. A lot of locusts, sickness, came into that first year and ate away at our relationship. Yet it was us holding together, pushing through in the midst of it, that allowed us to turn our owls into wows and to create the kind of Difficult moments that you build on to build a, a good marriage later on that you allow God to challenge you in. So that was my first wow moment. There's a lot of them mixed up in there, but it was a, a time of turning owls into wow and how God used those moments to say, I'm not going to hang on to bitterness. I'm not going to hang on to regret. I'm going to instead keep trusting him and acknowledging him in all my ways. It's funny to me now with Jimmy Fallon, all of a sudden lip syncs are back in vogue and all of a sudden he's got it on his show and a spinoff show. In fact, recently I got a chance to see The Rock perform a lip sync battle. Let me show you what that looked like. Let's watch. So I don't know about you, as you think back in your life, the different hours you had or the different things you said, how would God ever use this? 
And then later on he went, oh, my goodness, I learned something back then that I'm using now. The second wow principle I learned over the years is what I want to call the, uh, the wow of the plow. There's something God teach you just by staying in it. You stay in your marriage during a difficult time. You keep pursuing a son or daughter during a, a rebellious time. You just keep investing in your spiritual journey. Even if you're having doubts, you just begin to plow forward and make investments in it and ask those difficult questions. For me, one of mine was my master's degree. I managed to cram a two-year degree into 12 years. <laughs> I had gotten two bachelor's degrees in three years, but it took me 12 years to get my master's degree. This is my actual gown uh, because we didn't rent it. We bought it. At the end of 12 years, I thought, boy, they're just glad to have me out of the program. <laughs> And my, uh, my wife said, no, you really need to go up to Chicago and walk. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that. We're living in Atlanta at the time. She goes, no, you really need to. It's important to the kids. They're four and six. I don't think it's important to the kids. Say, oh, this will be good for them to watch you do it. Really? So I, I, got, I got my gown. I put it on kind of reluctantly. And we went up to Chicago. That's weird. Let me try this again. There we go. Put on the gown. It had been about 10 years since I put this thing on. Maybe 15 maybe now. So I get my master's degree. We go up to Chicago, and it's held at a church that I worked at when I was in college. I did my internship here at this church, Moody Church in Chicago, and I just remembered how God had used this traditional church, which I loved, aspects of it, to also see the parts I didn't love and how I wanted to do church differently. I was thinking about that as I was walking across the stage that day to shake hands with the, the trustee or the president, and I looked out, and sure enough, my kids were out in the audience, same place I'd met my wife and sat in conferences for many years. I remember looking out, and it was, it was a powerful moment for my kids to see their dad get this master's degree. I mean, as I walked forward and I shook hands, I looked out, and I saw my wife tap him on the shoulder. They looked up from the Game Boy and went, huh. I mean, just powerful moments. I mean, just. And yet, two weeks ago, my daughter walked across the stage getting from high school, and I thought, wow, it all goes so fast. And it's amazing how God works in the little moments and the culminations of those moments to bring impact. Jesus says one time, he goes, anyone who wants to follow me has to keep his hand to the plow. Because no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Because there's some aspects, there's some wow moments in your life you're only going to learn by keeping your hand to the plow, to staying on it for 12 years, to staying with it. That's true financially. How do you retire well? You put a little bit in at a time over time. Spiritually, how do you move and have the kind of peace you want? You just invest in it a little at a time. It's a Bible study here. It's a mission trip here. It's a connection here. It's a a struggle emotionally with what God's doing or not doing. But you keep your hand on the plow and you keep moving forward. How do you have a great marriage? It doesn't happen one day. You plow into it. You decide we're going to have date nights when we like each other and when we don't. We're going to go on vacation together. We're going to invest in each other. We're going to continue to say, I'm going to get a little bit better at communicating. I'm going to get a little bit better at listening. And the culmination of all that plowing are wow moments. And Beth and I have been married 21 years a few weeks ago. So we're going into our 22nd year. And we have made a diligent effort to have a date night every two weeks, if not more, over 21 years. And that discipline, that plow, and it was frustrating. Sometimes we couldn't afford the babysitters. Like we're paying more of the babysitter. We did an old date. Man, I should be a babysitter for crying out loud, right? And there's other times we just said we're going to make a priority. We're going to find friends to borrow. And those plowing into our relationship were the things that helped us when, when she went through a depression or, or when I was going through a deep time of despair in a job I didn't like. We, we had invested enough in each other to say, let's remember we like each other even though we don't feel like it right now. 
was the wow of the plow. Same thing's true with your kids. There was an awesome moment two weeks ago. My daughter graduated. And as I got up to share with her, I was blubbering all over the place. And I just said, you know, Sierra is one of my best friends. And as I shared with her just what the friendship we have, it reminded me that our friendship is a culmination of I started dating my daughter when she was two. We'd go to Chick-fil-A together and eat some ice cream. And we dated at four and six, and, and we learned how to ski on my boat together. It's a wakeboard I learned how to wakeboard on. It was those moments that every year for the last ten years, we've actually gone to Perfect North every week during the winter months. And they're like, well, if you go out west, you're going to hate Perfect North. It wasn't about the snow. It was about hanging out with my daughter every week. It's about the conversations on the car ride over there and back and up the lift and back. And now at 18, I'm thinking, wow, I am so glad whatever I would have done that I put that time in. And looking forward, I can say, well, I'm done with that. Now on, how do I keep doing that? My son's much more of a challenge because he doesn't have the same interests. So I've got to work three times as hard to figure out how to plow into our relationship and how to connect with him. And my special needs son, even more so, what does it look like to connect with him? And sometimes it doesn't seem like he's connectable. As we were crying together and then we laid hands and prayed for my daughter and, and just blessed her. I had another father and uh, a daughter who were in the audience who were much about 10 years younger, the daughter was, and said, he came to me, he says, we are just so committed that we want to have that kind of relationship and we're going to start putting that investment in now. I said, well, we're, we're not perfect and I'm farthest thing from it. But I just kept plowing. In fact, I saw a story, a new story last week that impacted me. It's amazing how God's used the wow moments of adopting a special needs child to begin to plow into my heart in new ways. So I saw this story of uh, Matthew Woodrum. He's got a terrible palsy, and he wants to run a lap with his classmates. And the wow moment is because he just kept plowing through. And these kind of things wouldn't touch me before. I'd be like, oh, that's nice. It's probably, but it's a really impact me now because of what we decided to do six years ago. Let's watch. See, that's true of moments like that. There's a wow moment for him. It's true spiritually. You need somebody to come alongside you, somebody who's a little farther along, a spiritual coach or a disciple or sometimes what they're called. But they're spiritual mentors who encourage you to keep wrestling through those questions or digging in deeper. Something so powerful about being in a community. We're a community church because we know when you surround yourself with people who cheer you on, you can overcome more. You can get through more. They're wow moments. You turn ows into wows, that's one decision. There's other moments where you just say, it's the wow of the plow. I'm just going to keep pushing through this difficult season and trust that God will use the hand of the plow to do it. The third one, though, that I've learned over the years is what I call the wow of now. How do you make sure you're turning every moment that you can into a now moment? Right now, I, I, I live with the lie. Maybe you live with the lie that you'll get to it later. I'll invest in my marriage later. I'll invest in my spiritual life later. I'll wrestle with that question later. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to say, now is the time. Let's wrestle with that. Let's make these now moments. Let's figure out where we are and take the next step. Motorcycles are big for me. I know they're dangerous. I've had every ER doctor who's ever been in a church tell me every donor, donor cycles, they call them, and murder cycles. My dad used to take me on his motorcycle all the time. We had a special spot. I still don't even know where it was. He'd just take, we'd drive into the woods. We had a special spot, a big old tree we'd climb into. And loved just the times I had with my dad. We had three-wheelers and motorcycles for years. And So my dad came up to me when I was 35, and he said, Chad, do you, do you want to go to Sturgis with me, which is a big motorcycle rally up in South Dakota. My dad goes there every year. He tells stories at bed at night about every summer he'd take $100 and go around the whole United States. That was his food budget. And <laughs> 
his gas budget. He'd sleep on picnic tables. He'd go to local police officers and ask if he could stay in the jail for the night. Just incredible stories he would tell me at night. And they were all at least mostly true. At 35, he asked me, he said, Chad, you want to come to Sturgis with me? It's going to be 10 days. And I'm like, I am busy. I am. That's seven years ago. I do not have time to sit down at my schedule. And I'm thinking, when am I going to have seven days with my dad? I just got to make it work. So we did. We went to Sturgis together for seven days and had the most incredible time. My dad, who's into this kind of stuff because he was a sixth grade teacher and that bleeds over into his adult relationships, <laughs> he made me these colors. And he has hand signals when you drive for what you stay in this museum to whatever. I, I can remember them all. Um, but my dad made this for me. And we spent a week at Devil's Tower. We spent a week out in the most beautiful motorcycle places you can imagine. We went to Mount Rushmore. And, and the relationship, it just reminded me, my dad's been investing in me my whole life. And that's why it's easier for me to, that, to come naturally and invest my kids into one. That was my kids. And we just had the best time together out in Sturgis in South Dakota and didn't really talk about anything particular. We roasted marshmallows here. We told stories and met Canadians and made fun of the way they said, hey, we just had a great time. <laughs> and uh, came back and I don't know what else I did that summer. And I'm sure whatever business I had, it, I had more business the next week or the previous week. But I'm so glad I turned that now moment into a wow moment that I'll never forget. Three years later, my dad calls me up and says, hey, your son's turned 13, Javen. Why don't we take him out there? And again, I was so busy. He says, this is, we need to make this a wow moment. Let's not just take him out there. Let's actually make this a spiritual moment where we affirm him as a man. So we went out on the motorcycle together. I had just had my motorcycle accident. First time I'd ever been in an accident. I had, my daughter was on the back. We flew over the, the top of the, the handlebars. I was only going about 10 miles an hour. I just took a turn too fast. So I just had these fear fantasies of doing it again. I'd gotten back on my motorcycle right after I had the accident because I wanted to face the fear. But I just, I, I was going 10 under the speed limit this whole trip because I just could not face the fear. And I remember there's a verse in the Bible that talks about taking thoughts captive. And I was just trying to take those fear thoughts captive and say, boy, I'm in the most beautiful place in the world. I, there's nothing to fear here. And it's just what God did in my life during that. We had a great time with my son. We went to Mount Rushmore. We hung out. And then we, we made, my dad made him uh, one of these little colors. And we baptized him. Now, he'd been baptized in the water, so we baptized him with Gatorade. We, we gathered together with all kinds of men, and we each had a different color, and they each represented something. And one was the, the blue. There's going to be blue times in your life, but know that, you, that, that God will work through those. And, and there's some, some yellow ones, and I don't know if that, what that represented. But we did each one of them. You know, don't, don't pee on yourself or don't pee in the wind. I don't know what it was we said. But, uh, but each one was a significant way for men to look at him and say, you know, you're a man now, and we seek talents in you and skills in you, and you are loved and you're appreciated. And that just became a wow moment. My staff harasses me many times. They say, what Chad is all about now, because I'm, I'm always trying to convert these moments. In fact, I invited my friend Ed to come with us on this trip. He was going through a difficult time in his life and his marriage in New York. He was going to come up until the last moment. He goes, you know, just too much pressure. I just can't go. And three years later, we're talking about six months ago, he says, I so wish I had gone. I needed that kind of community. I needed Christians in my life. I need Christian men in my life as I'm wrestling with some things. I need friends in my life. I wish I had gone. I wish I had converted that now into a wow. This whole idea comes out of a verse in Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 17, 18, 16, rather. It says, in living life, you need to walk circumspectly. Don't be foolish, but be wise in how you spend your time. Redeem the time. Buy back the time. Buy back your chronos by converting it into kairos. 
Another way of saying it is make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. See if you can convert a car ride with your kids into a connection with your kids. Try and convert just a vacation into a connection with your with, with the people who are on the trip. Look for moments, not just to have a graduation open house, but a chance to have a, a formal blessing to your children. Look for ways to convert Kronos into Kairos. Because you don't get more time. We wish we have it. We talk about it. But you don't get any more time. You just have what you have. So all you can do is not get time. You can just convert time. Convert the nows into wows. Spiritually do it. Financially do it. Relationally do it. In your marriage do it. What would it look like to begin to lay the lens on my life of how do I convert more of these nows into wows? And don't think it's too late. You say, well, Chad, good for you. Maybe if I'd heard that 20 years ago, I could have done it. No, it's not too late. Keep plowing through wherever you are in your marriage. Keep right now. Start converting wherever you are. Take the next step. Because five years from now, the plowing you start doing will be powerful as you start to convert right now. Your nows into wows. It's never too late. It's never too late. That's the power of the Bible. In fact, in Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, it says, God, teach us to number our days that we might be wise. They've got a new watch you can buy. It's called Ticker. You put in your age, and it calculates how many minutes you have left, and it puts it on the clock for you. <laughs> now, I'm not wearing one, right? That's depressing. But you know what that does? It's actually what, exactly what Psalms is saying, that we lie to ourselves and think we have more time, that we have plenty of time. But if I told you you had a month to live, a year to live, you would prioritize differently. You would immediately get very, very focused on what matters, wouldn't you? And I love the idea of ticker. Because Ticker tells us what Psalms is saying. Teach us to number our days. Teach us not to miss out on the moments because we keep thinking we'll make up for it later. That's what the Psalms does, this idea of eternity. I need to make the most of the opportunity I have here on earth that there's spiritual issues at stake here. I read a story about a man who did just that. He got diagnosed with cancer and he wanted his daughter to know that he loved her, that he was there for her. And that he wanted to convert the little bit of now he had into wow. So he hired a photographer. He bought her a wedding dress at age 11 so he could walk her down the aisle. Look at her face on the right. Combination of grief and love. Appreciation and tenderness. And look at his face. It looks like his grand, her grandfather because of the impact of cancer. But look at the smile beneath that. He wants his daughter to know that he's still with her even when he's not. He wants to convert the little time he has into now, wow moments, right now for her. The problem is we live under the delusion that we have plenty of time. So the Bible says make the most of every opportunity. Convert your Kronos into Kairos. So what does that look like for you? Well, let's look at those three aspects, those three lessons of the wow moments for you. Maybe for you, what you would walk away today and say, I've got a lot of owls. Maybe you've been telling the same story about an owl, somebody who did something to you, something that God did do or didn't do, and that has become a hurdle for you for decades. It might be the problem of evil. Or it might be more like, why did you let my mom pass away? Or why did that priest do such and such? Or that pastor run away with the secretary? And that owl has become so significant as a block to you 
that you have never really wrestled with it. That's become the excuse to not engage. Maybe today is your moment to say, God, I want to write out some owls that have held me back. And instead of living in the wouldas and the couldas and the shouldas and the regrets, I'm going to decide today not to hold bitterness anymore. Not to hold unforgiveness anymore. Not to live in regret or fear anymore. God, I want you to convert my ow into a wow. I had that when I first moved here 13 years ago. I'd been bruised pretty bad by my previous boss and environment. And I kept telling that story over and over again. We had a small group one day. We're sitting over by uh, in Terrace Park by the river. At the end of that that day, I picked up a rock and I said, this is my bitterness toward several people. And I have been telling this story now for 18 months. And I like telling the story. It makes me feel good, actually. I get a lot of adrenaline rush when I feel about how wronged I was. But I'm going to be done with that. So that day, I still remember exactly where I was. I took that rock and I threw it into the little Miami. By now, it's probably all the way down to the Ohio River. And every time for the next weeks and months that I found myself about to blurt into that story again, I said, nope, it's in the river. God, I'm letting go of that regret. I want you to make up for the years the locusts have eaten. Maybe that's your takeaway today. There's some owls that you want to convert into wows. Or maybe today, here's just the wow of the plow. You're going through a difficult season in your job. You're going through a difficult season in your marriage. You're going through a difficult season with a child. You're going through a difficult season financially. And God would just say to you, the wow of the plow, I will be faithful with you. You think I've left you because of the difficulty. I'm here with you. Let me plow with you. Let me plod with you. Don't turn back and live in regrets. Just keep plowing along and watch what I will do with stuff you never thought I would use in your life. Or maybe yours is the turn now into wow. You just want to start saying, how can I make the most of every minute and every month that I'm entrusted? I'd like to hear the story of someone who's done just that. We had a chance to talk this week and hear a little bit about Vince's story, but if you'd give a warm welcome to, uh, to Vince. Vince, come on up. Join us for... Thank you, Vince. I appreciate it. Vince, you and I had a very different background where I grew up you know, sort of surrounded by uh, church and Bible. Uh, you didn't. So tell me about your spiritual background and your uh, career background and some of the moments you've had. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. This is a wild moment for me. I uh, wouldn't have thought four years ago I'd be sitting here, so listen to this. And uh, this is the story of the songs. One thing leads to another. And I don't need to be forgiven as I'm listening to this. It's pretty interesting. But my background is I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a small town in Cannonsburg. Uh, I grew up in a blue-collar family. They were Catholic. I got drugged to church uh, every Sunday. And as soon as I could get out of it, I got out of it. Uh, so I really had no real spiritual background. I understood right from wrong to some extent. I never read the Bible. I didn't really understand Christianity. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the Word um, I went to school here in Cincinnati and met my lovely wife, Ann. I've been married for 40 years. I have three children uh, who are married to wonderful people, caring people, and I have five uh, wonderful grandchildren from that. So, mm. And what uh, what began the spiritual journey? So you remember you taught in the office that you thought you were a good, you thought you were a Christian, even though you didn't know what that really even was. Yeah. What began the spiritual interest for you? Well, a couple of things. One is uh, I built this business and uh, with with some friends and. We ended up selling it to uh, the Provident Bank, and um, 
the fellow who, who bought our company. I always think of uh, Carl Jr. as the guy, who, and I always looked up to him. I didn't know him, never met him, and now all of a sudden he bought our bank. And uh, for some, I won't go through the reasons, I was at Horizon Church up in in uh, Indian Hill one day uh, for a different reason, and Carl was there. The next day I had a big meeting, and we are buying a big company, and Carl was in the meeting, and he came up to me, and he puts his hand on me, and he says, I'm really proud of you, Vince. And he wasn't proud because I was doing a deal. He was proud because I came to church. <laughs> and it made me step back. I don't know if you had that feeling. It just made me really step back from a, uh, a man I had great respect for, but I couldn't understand that feeling and why I felt so stepped back from it. But I carried that with me for a number of years. Uh, the next scene for me is um, uh, I sold to Provident Bank. Provident sold to another bank. I stayed on running the uh, equipment finance company. Then the third bank came in and and uh, bought uh, the second bank. And I was running an even bigger company, and I had a boss uh, at that bigger company who did not know much about my business, never ran anything as big as I had, and um, he had words. We had words. I wasn't known as a guy who minced words. Uh, I would say I, <laughs> I had a good uh, good mouth on me. Mm-hmm. I could tell you how I felt pretty well, uh, and I did. Uh, <laughs> Because I didn't care. I cared about it. I didn't need the job, and I wasn't going to have him push me around. But I found out he was a Christian. And something came over me, and I called him one day, and I said, you know, uh, Doug, I apologize to you for my language. I, uh, I've been difficult. I know I'm a little bit difficult. You're difficult, by the way. I don't apologize for what I said. I apologize for how I said it. And uh, the next scene is me in Pittsburgh uh, at dinner with him one night. And he says, you know, Vince, where do you think you're going to be when you die? What's going to happen to you? I said, well, I think I'm going to go to heaven. He says, why do you say that? I said, well, I'm a good guy. I raise a good family. I give some money away here and there. I'm on a couple of charitable boards. I'm a good guy overall. He doesn't acknowledge it. He doesn't make me, he doesn't say, yeah, you're right. He doesn't say, no, you're not wrong, but he made me think about it. So the next scene is uh, a couple years later, I'm I'm at a a charity event, and um, I meet up with... uh, uh, C3, Carl's son. And at this point in time, uh, Carl's having some medical difficulties. And um, for some reason, I get in a conversation with uh, C3. And um, I tell him the story about his dad and me stepping back and how I felt like I, how, how bad I felt about that. I was missing something. Nothing happens. Next scene, two months later, I get a call at the mall. I call it the call at the mall. It's my call. <laughs> I'm literally at the mall. I get a call on the phone and it's C3, he says, Vinny, this is Carl. Carl, who is it? Carl Linder. I said, oh, how are you doing, Carl? He says, you know, I've been praying about you. You've been praying about me? I had everybody prayed about me. I had some guy beseech me one day in a day in a deal, but nobody ever prayed about me. <laughs> so I said, what are you praying about? So I was praying about maybe having you join a Bible study with me and a couple of guys, and I'll take you through this. And I'm going, hmm. I stepped back once. I had the feeling in me. I'm going to give this a shot. How back, you know, this, this could be interesting but I was very apprehensive. So uh, I started the Bible study. Well, actually, the first day I was supposed to show up, I tried to back out. I was in my office working, and I get the Bible study. I'm supposed to do this reading on Isaiah. I, I, I try to read it real fast. I don't, of course, I don't understand anything. So I call Carl. I said, look, I'm going to be late. You know, maybe, I'm thinking he'll call us off, right? I'll say, just and you made up some lie about some business. I made up some lie. I, 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 I'm going to be busy, and I could have made myself busy, but I made a, something that I would never do today is, is tell a white lie. Uh, but uh, he said, no, I'll wait for you. 
you, you wait for me. So I had no way to get out of it. <laughs> so I went to that first Bible study, and uh, he, he stayed with me for basically 14 months through a, pro, a program called Timothy. Uh, and as every month we met for lunch, and uh, and we talked about different parts of the Bible, had a Bible study, and uh, some of those months I didn't want to go, and some months he wouldn't call me, and I thought I got to call him. You know, I needed, he took it away from me, and I needed to go back to it. Uh, during that journey, you know, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Um, I knew he came here. He forgave my sins. He died on the cross for the sins I committed in the past, in the present, and in the future. And he was resurrected, and I have a place in heaven when I die. So it gave me a great peace. So it was terrific. Uh, and then along those moments, uh, and many, many of you have been going through this maybe, when I first started this, I kept saying, gee, by myself. Well, actually, he said, somebody else might be joining us. And I'm thinking, and in fact, the fellow was supposed to join us actually showed up tonight. So you could join us next time. <laughs> I won't say who it is, but, or this afternoon, I won't say who it is. But um, I started feeling like, hmm, do I really want to do this? Don't I really need somebody to do it with me? Maybe my wife will go with me. Somebody will help confirm or affirm why I should be doing this. But what I came to understand, it's, it's my own spiritual journey. It's your own personal journey with God that hit me. It's your personal journey. It's not your wife's. It's not your friend's. It's not your neighbor's. It's your journey. It's your relationship that you have to develop. And you have to work at developing that. So that's what I came to. And I used to come to church thinking, why don't I get my wife to come? I actually got my granddaughter to come. Lily, she's sitting over there. She'd come to church with me once in a while and to listen to the singing. But uh, I just kept plowing through it, as you said, yeah. uh, working through the war, reading. And I got more and more interested in, re- in reading. Uh, I got involved in a couple of Bible studies. And things happened to me that were strange. Uh, all of a sudden, I found myself at a – now, how do you find yourself at a missionary uh, journey to Cancun? Yeah. You know, I – Committed. I accepted. I don't know why I accepted. Yeah. Something in me. That's what, maybe, four years ago you went with our trip to Cancun. Four yeah. Three yeah, years ago. And I, I'm, I'm there with, and some of the guys were here with ten people I never met in my life. Yeah. I had no idea what a missionary journey was. I knew I couldn't carry the bricks and sand. <laughs> I could support some of the stuff yeah. and go along with it, but uh, I did that. Uh, so there have been these little wild wow moments. Uh, but the other thing is, for me personally, uh, this whole journey. Um, has given me a, more of a sensitivity of the spirit in me. So they talk about the body and the soul and the spirit. The spirit is in you. You've accepted Christ. Christ is in you. He's working in you. So these little things start to happen to you, and you start thinking differently. You think before you say, I'm too busy, or I'm, you make something up because you can't. You tell the truth. Sometimes that's hard to do, but the other part, it's easy. It's easy to know right from wrong. It's easy to know there's no gray. There's a black and a white, and it's working within you, the Spirit's working within you. So I joined a Bible study, um, and I'm really intrigued with the Bible, and I find questions. I find a lot of questions even in the Bible and uh, in my journey. In other words, some of my friends said, well, how's your prayer life? What prayer life? I don't know how to have a prayer life. How do I pray? Do I read something? Do I practice something? I'm one of these guys who have to read it, I have to understand it. But it was just kind of a journey of learning to have this one-on-one relationship, to be able to talk to God, to be able to ask for help every morning, be able to ask and thank Him. Uh, the other thing is, is being thankful for what you have. I'm, I've been very fortunate, and uh, and I do thank God for, for for what I have today when I sort of think about the bad things. So, again, spiritual journey, you know, inspiration, uh, and it's a, it's an onward 
uh, an onward movement. And, and I think, you know, what they said today, one thing leads to another, and I don't need to be forgiven. Hmm. That's what I know. And that's what you had to move past and knowing that you did need to be forgiven. I did need to be forgiven. And that, and that you weren't as good as you thought you were. And maybe if you stood before God, your good works weren't quite the entrance exam. You'd rather have <laughs> Jesus' good works be your entrance exam rather than Vince. Right. right. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Well, I'd like to pray for Vince, but I'd like to pray for each person here. Maybe you're on a journey uh, at Horizon where yours to explore. And we have lots of us who are different places in our journey. And we want to help you take the next step. Wherever you are, whatever you're doubting, whatever you're wondering about, whatever you're... Uh, fearful about or anxious about, we want to help you take the next step. So as I pray for Vince, I want to pray for each one of us that we'll take the next step today in making our own wild moments. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Vince. Thank you for his story. Thank you for the way you worked in his life even before he realized you were working in his life. Thank you for his questions. Thank you for his boldness. Thank you for his authenticity and sharing what he did struggle with, what he does struggle with. And God, I ask for each person here that you would just uh, whisper to us, invite us, to take the next step in getting to know you, in understanding you, in connecting with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We thank Vince for being here today. Vince, thank, thank you. you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us for part one of three weeks of Wow Moments. Ken King is going to join us next week. If you came prepared to give today, there's some offering boxes on the way out. If you're new to Horizon, we'd just like to put a name with a face, and we'd love to meet you. The third door on your left is the hearth room, and we'll see you next week for Wow Moments Part 2. Thanks again.